welcome to Book Bistro, where book lovers come to share the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This is episode three, and we are recording on Thursday, September 6th, 2018. I'm Shannon, and with me today are Jen and Stacy, and we are here to talk about dual timeline novels. Good evening. Hello. Hello. So, dual timeline novels. These, I feel like people have been writing them for a really long time, but they didn't really get super popular until about, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago. And now there are so many of them. And I'm so happy because I love kind of the parallel storytelling. I love seeing like two different people that are somehow connected in a way that sometimes you don't understand right away. I love learning about the history. I love seeing the connections that are, they just sort of seem to appear like across time. And it's very, very cool. I love them. So we are going to recommend some of our favorite dual timeline novels. And hopefully you will find something that you will love as much as we love what we're talking about today. Um, we're just gonna take turns and talk about some of our favorites. So I will start, and the first book that I want to mention is a fantasy novel by Claire Legrand. It's called Furyborn, and it takes place in an imaginary universe in a time that doesn't really exist. Um, something like 200, the year 200, Second Age. And we're introduced to two women who live a thousand years apart. And both of them are destined to change the world they live in in very unique ways. One is a queen with unusual magical abilities, and the other is a bounty hunter slash assassin who is determined to leave her mark on the world while discovering the truth of some really deep, dark, long-buried secrets at the same time. This is fast-paced. I am about halfway through it. I usually don't recommend books that I haven't finished, but this one is so unique in what it does with a dual timeline and with the fantasy aspect. The world building is rich without making you feel like you're like bogged down. And I'm really enjoying it, so I want to urge all of you to pick up Furyborn, the Imperium Trilogy, book one, by Claire Legrand. This is Jen, and I'm going to apologize in advance for my super sexy voice I have going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> thought I'd change things up for this episode and, you know, sound different. Anyway, um, I am here to first share with you... Um, I believe this might have been like the second dual timeline book I ever read. And it is a debut novel by Fiona Davis. It is called The Dollhouse. There are a few authors that are actually very much known for writing dual timeline exclusively. And she is one of them. But her kind of uh, riff on it is that she likes to focus on a very famous uh, locale within New York City. So in this book, she takes on the Barbizon Hotel. And in the present day portion of this book, we see Rose and she is a journalist and her life is just basically a hot mess. And she 
is kind of looking for a distraction. And she gets very drawn in by this very reclusive woman who is the longest resident of the Barbizon Hotel, which has now been turned into condos when um, Rose is living there. And this woman, she's, she's a recluse. She never comes out. And she always hears this jazz music floating from her apartment. It's very mysterious and intriguing. And so she decides she wants to find this, out this woman's story. And she goes to some rather unethical means of doing this. Uh, we jump back in time and into the 50s. And we see the Barbizon Hotel in its heyday. Um, in this time, it was home to aspiring models and actresses, very glamorous people. Um, uh, and it was like a hotel for women, like a boarding house almost. And we see Darby, and Darby has come to go to secretarial school. And she feels very out of place amongst all these glamorous people. And she befriends this maid who works at the hotel called Esme. And Esme is very into the jazz scene of the time. And she draws uh, Darby into the world of jazz and, and the beautiful, you know, music and, and gets her really into this scene. And their lives become very intertwined in some rather toxic ways. Uh, Darby also befriends this guy who is a cook at one of the um, clubs. And they start romance. They become very interested in each other. And the book goes on from there. This was fabulous. I loved every minute of it. Again, it's called The Dollhouse by Fiona Davis. It is so, so good. I love pretty much everything that Fiona Davis writes. Yeah, absolutely. She's great. This is Stacy, and I cannot claim to have a special sexy voice for this podcast episode. But <laughs> regardless, <laughs> I will begin telling you about... Um, some of the books that I have read and enjoyed in Dual Timeline. And the first one I'm going to tell you about is called, well, it has two titles. Um, one of the titles is The Light Behind the Window. The other title is A Lavender Garden. And regardless of the title, the book is by Lucinda Riley. And I was captivated by this book because in present day, we are following the life of a young woman um, in, in France um, at, in 1998, her mother has died and she goes to the family chateau, as one does, um, to kind of deal with all of her father's papers and her mother's, you know, kind of closing up the house and, and kind of dealing with the estate. And while she is there cleaning up and kind of dealing with the estate in preparation for selling it, she finds a notebook from uh, written during World War II and a little bit before. And there's mention of a mysterious person named Sophia. And it's a name that she's never heard. And so she kind of starts doing some research into the origins of. Now let's go back in time to um, World War II era. And there's a young woman in England named Constance. And Constance um, has just lost her husband. Uh, well, he's uh, in the war. She's not sure if he is alive or not. And she decides to spy for, um, to assist with the war effort. So she is sent undercover over to France um, to be part of the resistance and to kind of um, gather information. And while she is there, her cover is compromised and she ends up living in the home of um, a very high ranking French family who has ties to Nazi activity um, in France. And this book kind of goes back and forth between the lives of Emily and Constance kind of telling the story during World War II as Constance is experiencing it and also kind of 
showing us Emily's progression in how she learns about these events and how these events shape her current life. And the book was amazing. I loved every second of it. I couldn't put it down. Um, one thing I have to mention is um, there is a blind character in the World War II era of the book. And I'm very hard on blind characters. I, I'm, I'm very quick to judge. And I thought this character was very, very well done, um, especially for uh, the time in which she lived. And uh, she's sort of a, a supporting character to the main storyline, but um, her role is very important. And the blindness is not um, the central you know, thing about who she is, but it definitely has kind of shaped who she is as a, a very well-off um, aristocrat in, in France during this time. So this book, again, I love it so much. It's called The Light Behind the Window or The Lavender Garden. And the author is Lucinda Riley. So I researched this because I'm always very <laughs> confused by books that have more than one title. And it looks like The Lavender Garden is the title in the U.S. and The Light Behind the Window is the British title. I'm not sure if this is a British author, but I'm, I'm guessing is. so. I'm pretty sure she is because, partly because there was a British narrator um, for the one I read. And usually when, when that dual title thing happens, that's often the case because it's like titled something else in other yeah. countries. That always makes me think of Harry Potter, Sorcerer's Stone it is like versus that, Philosopher's yeah. Stone. Anyway, moving yes. along. <laughs> yes. Yes. But that book is sitting on my iPad waiting for me. It needs you. Yes, I, I need to read that soon, too. It's amazing. So my next pick is A Memory of Violets, a novel of the London flower sellers by Hazel Gaynor. And this moves back and forth in time between 1912 and 1876. In the 1912 portion of the book, we are introduced to Tilly, who has left her home in the north of England and come to London to work as a house mother in a home for flower sellers. And for those who may not be familiar, the London flower sellers were historically a group of orphaned and disabled young women who lived in these homes and sold flowers and did art and did all kinds of things to earn money. And their keep was kind of provided to them as a form of charity. So Tilly is living in this home and getting to know all these girls and also kind of taking stock of her own life. And she finds a diary that tells the story of two sisters who were separated, one of whom ends up at the home for flower sellers in 1876. And her name is Flory, and she has one purpose in life, and that is to be reunited with her sister. Unfortunately, this is very, very difficult to accomplish, and this is a kind of long and rocky road that this book um, travels to tell us what happened to Flory and to her younger sister, as well as allowing Tilly to kind of come into her own. Um, it's lovely, it's haunting, um, but not in a creepy way. It's just one of those <laughs> books that is like so incredibly poignant and I can't say enough good things about it, but it is A Memory of Violets, a novel of the London flower sellers and it is by Hazel Gaynor. I need to read this. You should. I think Moira yeah. Quirk um, 
does the narration if you wanted to do it oh, audio. She's great. I love her. I do too. Yes. She's so good. Okay, so my next pick is The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, and this is by Taylor Jenkins Reed. And I love this. Um, well, obviously, we love I, I get really excited. No, we hate them. That's why we talk about them now. Um, but no, I just get so excited when people, um, you know, I see like a five-star review of this on Goodreads because I'm like, yes, you should give it five stars. It's so great. Okay. So in this book, Grant, this unknown uh, magazine writer, and she is picked out of all the possible people to help author the memoir of Evelyn Hugo, who is this larger-than-life actress. She's known for being ruthless. She's known for her multi-decade career um, in Hollywood during kind of like the, the golden age. So she was like there from the 50s and she left in the 80s. And she um, is known for having had seven husbands, hence the title. And um, But Monique gets to know more about not just her public persona, her public story, but her private story which is altogether different in a lot of ways from what the public saw. There's many things about Evelyn Hugo that the public doesn't know. And what Monique doesn't know is that her life and Evelyn's life very much irrevocably intertwine. Um, and we, we find out how as the story goes on. Um, Monique is very swept into Evelyn's story, um, both you know from a like outsider perspective, but then like as she begins to realize um, how their lives are intertwined. She's, it changes her completely. It changes what she knew as the truth of, you know, the things to do with her family and everything. It's so good. Um, I highly recommend this. Again, it's called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And the other thing I'd like to mention about it as well that I think is very unique to this book in particular is that at a very... Um, into what it was like to be LGBT, not only within that time period, you know, the 50s through the 80s, and obviously up through present day, but also um, what it was like to be LGBT in Hollywood and in the public light um, in that time. You know, um, obviously we've made a lot of strides since then. It's not perfect, but um, it's, you know, obviously things were a lot, a lot harder for people back then. And um, I just can't say enough good things about this book. It was so great. No, that's one of those books that there's like endless, marvelous adjectives that you could use to describe it. Yeah, absolutely. I want the world to read it and embrace it. And I, I keep wanting something else that's like it. And yet there isn't anything. Well, I think that's why it's so great because it's so unique. Yeah. You know, it's just a dual timeline, but I feel like what it talks about really I don't know many other people that have no gone into all that so yeah and I just have to interject that I have not read this book yet but based on the title alone I mean it's so notorious wouldn't you love to be like the seven husbands of Stacey Bassett I mean like doesn't that sound amazing to have your name attached to something like that so um I'll, I'll, well, that's definitely going on my wish list of books to be read I personally don't want to have seven husbands but that's well, I, just me <laughs> I know, but it just sounds so notorious and fantastic and flamboyant. I love, I love that title. <laughs> I know it like grabs you right away, right? Yep. Like, what is happening with this book right now? 
So the next book that I am going to talk about is a book that I hesitated to read, I must admit it, um, for a while. And the book is called Before We Were Yours by Lisa Wingate. And my hesitation was, I, the, the synopsis looked amazing to me, but um, I know historically, historically, like in the past 10 years, not historically like 100 years ago, but historically this author has mainly written within the inspirational genre. And while I always need inspiration in my life, I, that's not my favorite genre to read. But finally I broke down based on a dear friend's recommendation and I read it. And OMG, you have to pick up this book if you haven't. It was so impactful. Basically there's two storylines. There is um, a 12 year old girl uh, in 1939, 1939 named Rill Foss. And Rill lives on um, basically a, a river shanty boat um, with her parents and several siblings. And um, she, one night, um, the family um, is on the lives and the mother goes into labor and has to go to the hospital. So the father had to take her. So real as the oldest is entrusted with the care of all of her siblings from slightly younger than her to very young toddler. And she is to keep the children together and safe until the return of the parents. And all is going well until the entire, um, all of the children are kidnapped and taken to a children's home um, where um, unpleasant things begin to happen um, to them. And they are slowly kind of, um, well, I'll tell you in a minute. But then in modern day, um, there is a young woman named Avery. And it took me longer to like Avery because I felt like she was boring and kind of a vehicle to make the story move along. But stick with her because she becomes more and more interesting. And she is this young woman who comes home to help her father, who's a senator, kind of um, weather a health crisis. Um, and during this time, she is sort of, um, they're in a, like a, a nursing home um, doing some sort of political shoot picture shoot or something. And um, all of a sudden she is approached by a very elderly woman who calls her by a different name and is very confused. And Avery is um, very drawn to this woman. And as she kind of learns more about who this woman is, she learns secrets about her family and her past that help kind of unravel the story of Rill and her sibling, siblings and what happened to them back in the 30s. And the thing I want to say about this book quickly is that this story about um, Rill and her siblings, it was based on fact. Um, there was a woman from the early 1920s until the early 1950s named Georgia Tan. And this woman was selling, was um, kidnapping children of people impoverished people and selling them to rich families. I mean, like just swiping them off, like, you know, front porches and like swooping in and stealing them. And she had a whole network of like, um, like law enforcement and different people throughout the state. And they were just stealing these children. And I was so intrigued, horrified and intrigued by this story that I looked it up and it is indeed a, a true story about this woman. Um, and there's just no pit dark enough for her, but um, I just, the, the story was lovely and interesting and, please do yourself a favor and pick up before we were yours by Lisa Wingate. It's just beautiful. So on the topic of things that are horrifying and yet intriguing <laughs> at the same time, let's talk about the circus because I really like the circus. I don't like it in real life. I think they're kind of terrible places, 
but there's something very magical about books that are set in circuses. So the book I'm going to talk about is The Life She Was Given by Ellen Marie Wiseman. And this is a historical novel that moves back and forth in time from the 1930s to the 1950s. And Lily is a young girl living in the 1930s, and her parents are very, very ashamed of her for a reason that I won't tell you. And she has been locked away in an attic for her whole life. And she's about nine years old when the story starts. And she is sold to the circus by her mother, who basically wants nothing to do with her. And Lily struggles to cope with this. She has dreams of her father kind of swooping in to save her. But slowly she grows, she kind of grows up in the circus. She comes into her own. She realizes that she is an important person and she can make a life for herself regardless of all the terrible things that she was told by her parents. We jump forward 20 years and we meet Julia who has just lost her parents and she is closing up their house. She wants to sell it, and she's going through all their papers, and she finds in her father's office a poster with a picture of a young woman in circus garb. And she can't figure out why her father would be keeping memorabilia from this really old circus, but she's kind of intrigued, and she wonders who this woman is. And so she starts digging into her family's history and trying to figure out who this person is. And this story, I, I can't even, I don't even have like enough words for it. It broke my heart, but it also totally entranced me. Um, I, I just, I want, this is another one that I want everyone to read and just fully embrace because it's fantastic. It is The Life She Was Given, and it is by Ellen Marie Wiseman. <clears throat> Okay, so I'm now going to speak about the first dual timeline book I ever read, and it is The House at Riverton by Kate Morton. Kate Morton Yay. is another author. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Kate Morton is another author who is known for exclusively writing dual timeline novels. Um, and the really unique thing about this one, so we've talked a lot in our recs so far about people kind of having their lives entwined with other people's lives and things like that, um, which is a common theme amongst dual timeline novels. But this is another one that we see, which is that we see somebody looking back at themselves. So it's double narrative, right? Um, but double narrative with the same person. So in this book, we see this woman, uh, Grace, and in the present day, it's 1998. And she's thinking back to when she was, she worked for a family um, back um, around the time of the First World War, and then that goes up through the 20s. Um, it was a very rich family, and she gets very drawn into, like, what's going on with them. There's a lot in this book that has to do with class. Um, there are a lot of comparisons to Downton Abbey, although I can't speak to those myself Ooh. because I've not seen Downton Abbey. Um, but I know, I was, so I was, a sidebar, I was reading this when I was taking British literature in college, and when I was describing it to people, like, oh, it's like Downton Abbey. And like, because the teacher and a bunch of people in the class were like really about Downton Abbey. Um, so I guess, you know, if, if you're into that, apparently there's some comparisons to be awesome. made there. Um, but anyway, this book was so fabulous. I just, I loved it. I, I love most of what I've read from Kate Morton. Honestly, she's got a new one out too. 
coming that I'm excited about. Um, and so this is called um, The House at Riverton, I think. Was this her first novel? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, and it's another one that's published under a different name in the UK. Something about I, fog in the title. I'll see The House at Riverton's better. I like that better. Again, it's more kind of intriguing to me. It's like, oh, what about this house, you know? Um, but yeah, so anyway, that's The House at Riverton by Kate Wharton. I was very excited about her new one until I realized it had a ghost in it. I love ghosts. I know, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> They're not nice. The next book that I'm going to talk about is a book I read years ago. Um, I mean, not years and years ago, because I'm still a very young woman, of course. But um, several years ago, I read a book. Um, and it's the first dual timeline that I currently remember reading. And it was so impactful that, again, I did a bunch of research after I read it because I was so horrified um, that in living memory, things could happen like this. But um, the, the book is called Sunrise Song, and the author is Kathleen Eagle. And this book was written in 1996. And, you know, it is one of those that just, you know, holds up to the tests of time and is still as good now as it was then. So in this book, we have um, in 1973, there's a young woman named Michelle, and she has just inherited her aunt's ginormous Victorian house on the edge of this golf course. And every day she looks across um, the street to the golf course and finds it really offensive that people are playing golf um, and the golf course surrounds um, an old uh, Native American cemetery from um, a hospital that was on that property in the 1930s. And she feels like that's just not appropriate to, you know, be using that ground for that manner. And so she begins looking up some of the descendants of the people who lived in this hospital slash insane asylum from the 1930s. And she meets um, a man who's a Vietnam War veteran and an ex-convict and all these kind of shadowy, fabulous things. And together unravel this um, that took place, um, you know, back in the 1930s. So in the 1930s, the, the, there's a, a young woman named Rachel and she is um, a nurse and she goes to work at this hospital slash insane asylum and is very distressed by the treatment of the Native Americans there and distressed by the reasons that someone could be called insane. Um, very minor infractions. Um, people were taken from their homes if they were seen to be doing any sort of um, activities in the, that did not conform to what the current norms were. So if they were doing um, like Lakota dances or, um, you know, doing Lakota rituals, for example, that um, were important to their ancestors, they could be put away in this um, asylum. And she's very distressed by the treatment. And, and with um, some of the people who have been taken into custody here, she works to kind of um, bring down the doctor in charge, who happens to be um, pretty awful, actually. So this story is about how in 1973, Michelle um, figures out um, what happened back in the 1930s at this horrifying um, hospital for Native Americans. Um, and I was just really shocked that things like this could happen within living memory. Um, 
I just, it really um, was very educational and horrifying and the story was very beautiful. So um, if you need a really good book to read, try Sunrise Song by Kathleen Eagle. So let's talk about something totally different. I love thrillers, mysteries, psychological suspense, all kinds of things like that. And so many people now are using the dual timeline concept to tell these kinds of twisty stories. And I'm all about this. So I want to tell you a little bit about Pieces of Her, which is the latest novel from Karen Slaughter. And this is a story that really examines the bonds between mothers and daughters. And those bonds can be so, so fraught with all manner of difficult, tricky emotion. So we are introduced to Andrea and Laura, who are mother and daughter. And Andrea is kind of a little bit at loose ends. She's living back home with her parents. She's 31. She has a job as a police dispatcher that she doesn't really love, but she can't really decide what else she would want to do. So she's just kind of going through the motions. And one afternoon, she and her mother are having lunch at a local diner, and a man comes in and starts shooting up the place. And no one knows why, but he's just like killing people randomly. And all of a sudden, Laura, who's Andrea's mom, just totally takes control of the situation. And she seems to know exactly what to do. And she ends up disarming and later killing the gunman. And this raises all kinds of questions, not only for Andrea, but for the police, because Laura is basically this kind of average looking uh, speech therapist. And how does she know what to do when she's in this kind of like really tense situation. So the story moves back and forth between present day and the 1980s. And we are shown exactly what Laura went through to learn the things that she now knows. And this calls into question pretty much everything that Andrea thought she knew both about her mother and their lives together. This is really fast paced. It is not as gratuitously violent as some of Slaughter's other works, but if you aren't a fan of violence, you probably won't want to pick this up. But if it doesn't bother you, you should definitely try Pieces of Her by Karen Slaughter. That is one issue I've had with her books in the past is whereas I like them, um, the level of violence is really upsetting and it sometimes can come across as like violence for the sake of violence, even if that's not the intent. Um, so yeah, it's pretty graphic kind of, sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I can read a book and like, that's not a problem for me, but then like other times I'm like, Ooh, I can't deal with this. So anyway. Um, okay. My next pick that I'm going to tell you about is another book also by Lucinda Riley. Yay. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and actually I read this one for the episode. Um, and it is called Angel Trees. This is the first book I read by Lucinda Riley. It's not going to be the last. I have a bunch more on my TBR. So, um, a TBR, to be read list. Okay. Um, so in this book, we see Greta. And this is another one where we see somebody looking back at themselves, um, which I think is very interesting. So in this book, we see Greta. And the present day of this, by the way, is 1985. And then we go back as far as 1945. So, uh, 
you know, right after World War II going, moving forward. Um, and this spans a lot of time. So in present day, Greta is visiting her dear friend, David, the family estate in Wales. This jumps around as far as place um, from London to Wales to Los Angeles and back and forth and all of, you know, between those three locales primarily. Um, so she's there. She's lost 20 years of her memory due to a tragic accident. And uh, a bunch of people, including her friend David, go out for a walk. So she goes out for a walk by herself. They've already gone. Um, she takes a nap. She gets up. She goes out for a walk. She walks into the woods. It's a snowy day. She happens upon this clearing where there is a very majestic pine tree and a grave. And she belatedly realizes, it, it jogs her memory, and she realizes that it's the grave of her long-dead child, her long-dead son. And this is very emotional for her, obviously, to have this memory come back. But it also spurs her on to figure out what, what memories is she missing? Like, what, what did she not remember? And so she and her friend David start piecing together her past and that was when we go back in time and we find out how she and David met. Um, we find out about her, um, you know, uh, her daughter, Cheska, Francesca, uh, who goes by Cheska, and uh, her tumultuous childhood and um, the personal demons that she's kind of battling with that shape how she relates to other people and shape how she and Greta interact. Uh, and you know the choices that people make and the way people's lives intertwine. I just thought this book was so good. Um, I, the writing was compelling. The story was compelling. It was just, it, it had me hooked from the beginning. And uh, I highly recommend it. Again, it's called The Angel Tree by Lucinda Riley. And I don't know if this one has another title. If it does, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't think it does. I don't recall that it does either. Okay, well, you know. The next book I'm going to talk about um, is called A Fall of Marigolds, and the author is Susan Meisner. And this book to me was very interesting because um, it's the dual timeline is that in 1911 um, in, in New York City, um, there's a young woman who has been traumatized by um, seeing someone she was growing to love mm -hmm. um, die in the fire at the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. Um, and that fire, um, what happened was the, the workers were locked in every day to make sure that they, you know, got their work done. And so when this fire broke out in this factory, no one could escape and many people died. Um, and she was very traumatized by this fire and went to work on um, Ellis Island as a, as a nurse. Um, and that was fascinating. I don't know that much about Ellis Island at the turn of the 20th century, but, um, you know, the, that story was very, it's, it's how she learns to sort of accept what happened to the man that she thinks that she could have loved. Um, and she meets a patient who, um, in a roundabout way, she ends up with a beautiful, beautiful scarf. And part of her story is to learn the origin and the story about the woman whose scarf this used to be. So a hundred years later in 2011, um, and there is a, um, a woman, oh, and, and the, the woman in 1911, her name was Clara. And then in 2011, we meet Taryn, who is a widow and her husband 
very tragically died um, on September 11th. Um, he was in one of the towers. And her life was saved that day by a stranger and by that same scarf. And basically her story is trying to, um, you know, put her life back together and sort of accept the death of her husband and move on after what happened um, on 9-11. And she kind of is able to do this by sort of, um, you know, figuring out the origins of this scarf and, and kind of the role that it played in her own life. The story was really beautiful. Um, it was one of the first books I read by Susan Meisner, and I really like her way of writing dual timeline and her ability to really suck you into a time and place. So that book, again, is called A Fall of Marigolds, and the author is Susan Meisner. And that is another one that I have on my TBR pile. In fact, I think I even have it like on my iPad, which means it's sort of a cut above just all the other stuff that's languishing on my TBR. So that is what we have for you today. I hope that all of you find something wonderful to love as far as dual timeline novels. They are definitely some of our favorite things to read and we are very happy to be able to share some of them with you. Thank you to Jen and Stacy for chatting with me this evening. And as always, thank you to the fabulous Christine who does so much of our behind the scenes techie stuff that I have no earthly idea how to do. <laughs> so I hope all of you have a wonderful week full of many, many great books. And forgive the banging noise that you hear in the background as my partner's dog attempts to rearrange the furniture in our living room. <laughs> Because that is apparently what yellow Labradors will do. Anyway, everybody take care and thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you all very soon. Bye. 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 Bye.